Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here on this Friday edition. Sam Amico will join us on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. We'll talk NBA playoff headlines and the lack of the ejection or suspension for Joel Embiid in the kick last night. We'll get into all of that straight ahead. Plus, uh, Ryan Leaf on today's show. That's coming up in about an hour and a half from now. Chad, you were saying uh, during the break that Will Ferrell's coming back with a show that is interesting based on the headlines of professional golf right now. I mean, I want to bathe in this story. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you know, like Will Levis <laughs> bathes his coffee with mayonnaise and maybe he bathes I mean, in mayonnaise also. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to leave it up to the teams to interview yeah. him to figure that out. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but this story, this is from Front Office Sports. Will Ferrell will start a new golf comedy series per deadline following a, quote, controversial new league competing with the PGA Tour. It will have a similar tone to Talladega Nights. Sign me up. This will be incredible. If it's anything like Talladega Nights, semi-pro, other Will Ferrell sports movies, um, Blades of Glory, uh, I love all of them. They're, they're hilarious in their own right, and this will be no different. And it's not a movie, it's a series. So I'm excited to see it, Hutton. Chad, um, I'm all in on this. And will you bathe in it with me? This I, news of the I, story. I wish it were a movie and not a series. I, I'm excited that it's a series. I'm the opposite. I get more excited now when I hear I'm not that excited about movies anymore. Well, that's why I want it to be a movie. It's crazy, though. Like I but when I hear like a really good idea, movies suck now. And I think, man, that one's got legs. Like if it's a movie, if it's original content, that's a great concept or a bit. I'm like, that should be a series because you can lengthen it out. Now, when it's like Killers of the Flower Moon that's based on a novel, yep. that's a movie. Like, I hear that. I'm like, okay, make a movie about this and not a series. So when I hear this Will Ferrell idea, I think series. But it would be good as either. I think this could be a really funny hour and 35-minute comedy that's a movie. Or it can be a really funny 25- to 30-minute episode, eight-episode season. Like Righteous Gemstone. And then if it's good, like Righteous Gemstones or anything else, Eastbound and Down, then you order it for a season two, and you can continue it on. But you shoot it and do it in a way that it, it could be another season or it could be the end after one season. Chad, uh, Tennessee's currently going through the NCAA inquiry, right? They, they're, they're, they, they, have, they have adjourned. They, they have, have left town. Yeah, they left yesterday. They were supposed to come back today, but they did not. Different feeling when the FBI's knocking on the door, and that's what's happening right now with the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Billy Preston's the former five-star recruit, and this all stems from the FBI investigation into Kansas, but the, the entirety of the Adidas scandal, uh, where the illegal payments were made that were to players in the program through Adidas. And you know, there are other programs implicated through other shoe companies, and Adidas was at the prominent uh, start of that. But Billy Preston on the uh, 30 for 30 podcast, which was also, I mean, what was the name of the, the 30 for 30, oh, Bag Game, I think was the name of the episode, 
or the uh, yeah the yeah it was bad game. That's it. Yep. And it goes into the uh, the NCAA basketball scandal. Billy Preston, former five star recruit. As soon as we got to KU, I'm an Adidas kid now, and I play for KU. And he goes on to mention the reps that KU's the Adidas school. They put us together off of the strength of them being on uh, Adidas school and the fact that they had the type of power where they can be like, yeah, they can tell him, oh, yeah, we want you to get in contact with Billy. We want you, <laughs> we want you to tap into Billy and, and get that whole process rolling. That's the only thing I'm going to say about that. <laughs> KU was, was not a victim in this. Of course they weren't. Look, this is... Why is this still going on? Well, it's... Um, and also, it's just... It's all so ludicrous. And I, I'm not crucifying Kansas here because they're part of a broader system of pay-for-play for years with shoe companies, yeah. the rep schools that they, they represent, and big-time prospects. So it's nothing new when it comes to Kansas or other ones. And, and they're getting hit by the FBI. But it's just all so circumspect about what they go after. Like, Tennessee's in Cincinnati going through... a two-day trial about recruiting during COVID-19 and having recruiting weekends when they couldn't because of COVID-19, which is seemingly over now. And, you know, they may have given them some cash when they were there. And here you have an FBI investigation into an entire scheme involving a middleman, a bag man, per se. For $89,000. A shoe company paying a lot more money to basketball. It's just... And what has Kansas faced in all this? Nothing. They're claiming. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're the being they're, investigated they're by the FBI, but they pointing, haven't done anything. They're pointing and saying this is on Adidas, not on us. The payments. I mean, great, but my point, like, I don't want to see any of them prosecuted at this point, right? It's just I mean, shining a light on a system that we all knew about to some extent for years, and now we can really get into the weeds about the whole process of it. But I just see stories like this, and I'm thinking, and I see the Tennessee hearing, and I'm like, what? What are we doing? What are we even doing in an NIL era? I know. Why waste any time on past possible rules violations now that players are actually getting paid above the table? It's but, such a waste of time. But, but from the FBI's perspective, this is one of the larger criminal investigations in sports. This was not just on Kansas. Yeah, this is like uh, money laundering. This is this is more yeah. more than just that. I, I get it. But but I the fact that we're still dragging this on, it's like what? How long does this need to take? Well, I don't. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who hate Kansas that would disagree with me. But I don't care to hear about NCAA implications with Kansas. If it's an FBI investigation, fine. I just don't care enough. Yeah. About this because now, if Adidas wanted to sign an NIL deal with Billy Preston. And he ended up going to Kansas, and part of that was the NIL. He could do it. There's nothing stopping a shoe company from doing that with, with a player. So it's just much ado about nothing, given the time we're in right now where you can make payments above the table for players to play. Chad, how is Joel Embiid not ejected after kicking? I mean, it was just blatant. After what we saw with the Warriors and the Kings and Draymond Green and Joel Embiid, with the 76ers is not tossed from the game. I don't understand. The NBA's got a real kicking problem right now. Well, I mean, it, it, this is just as obvious as what we saw from Draymond. Yeah, and I think Charles Barkley uh, uh, agreed. Here, here's Barkley. 
I thought he should have been ejected. I thought, that, I thought that was a flagrant two. I think yeah. his I think his was worse than Draymond's. To be Thank honest. you. Worse than Draymond. Yes. Yeah, because he tried to yeah, kick wow. a guy in his junk. Yes. Yeah, they, just because the guy's a bad shot. Well, I mean, so he try, you know what he was trying to do. I mean, so what's the law? Yeah, no, I just just my listen. We can we don't know. We, listen, we all have our own opinion. I thought he tried to kick him in his private parts. He should have got ejected. I mean, I, I I agree with him. I agree with Barkley on this one too. Um, if one's a, a flagrant two and an ejection, the other one is too. I mean, what Draymond Green did was uh, over the top, and he you know stomped on a guy's chest. But yeah, Joel Embiid took a swipe at the guy's jump, as Charles Barkley said. It's very obvious in this. Now, Claxton deserved the technical also. I mean, you don't step over a man. In that fashion, after a dunk, yeah, and not expect anything to happen. Um, I, it's not surprising Embiid reacted to me. Um, it's a little excessive that he goes for the full boot to the midsection to the, as Charles Barkley also said, the private parts. In that fashion, it doesn't just shove his leg out of the way yeah. or get him out of the way in in, in in some way, right? I think back to um, Scottie Pippen's dunk on Patrick Ewing, where he straddles him and kind of walks over him, and Ewing shoves him, right? Doesn't kick at him, but kind of shoves him out of the way when that happens. I, I understand that reaction from Embiid, but you can't kick a guy in the junk. Well, the re- you understand the reaction, but I also know the, re- the repercussions of that reaction. Exactly. If you take a swing that, that way with your foot, your hand, anything, you should be ejected. It should be a flagrant two. Flagrant one. I, I think they got it right in the, the technical on Claxton. But it should have been upgraded on Embiid. Now that was also that was nine to six at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. Been a big time ejection very early in a game. Um, how about the Warriors? That's a big win. Yeah, my uh, sweep uh, prediction for both series was not accurate, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't close last no. night. The Warriors no. showed up last night and they said, "Hey, uh, stop doubting us." At least for that one game. You know. Would Steve Quiet Kerr would Steve Kerr consider not playing Draymond Green in the next game? You know, isn't it interesting? Why though, like, mess with it? Like I, I with everyone is going to say, do you absolutely play him now that he's? I mean, you just house them. Like you did not. You, you well, got beaten pretty soundly. But they were turning in Sacramento. It over. They turned it thirty. Turned it over thirty times. Uh, but still, I mean, I, I am. I'm not playing him until I need him. If you come out and you're getting beat by fifteen, or you feel like you need a spark. Then you go with Draymond Green. But, dude, you cost yourself a game, and we're much better without you in the one game you haven't been here. So sit the bench until we need you. Yeah, but I don't know at the time of that game, though, that the Kings were going to lose if Draymond doesn't do anything at all either, either way. I don't think he cost the, the game by that. Oh, I'm not saying he cost the game either. I'm just saying mojo. Like, I, look, we're, we're down 0-2. And didn't look that good, and now we didn't have Draymond Green. We played a slightly different way with him out of the lineup, and we beat him bad. I'm not saying he's going to sit the rest of the series. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, why not go back with that lineup until you need Draymond Green in Game 4, given you, the results of Game 3? Are you hesitant to stick with the Kings based on last night? Because no. the Warriors have been awful on the road. That's what's so I interesting. Mean, I'm, I look, this. I'm hesitant because the Warriors are champions, and the Kings are not. So I'm not... But it's it, tough to just bury them and say they're not going to win the series, but I still like what I've seen from the Kings overall. And the, the whole road record thing is odd with them yeah, this year. They've been terrible. And if, you know, if it's going, if, this feels like a Game 7 type series, too, where they're going to have to break that trend of losing on the road. 
and right up the road against Sacramento. Can you imagine a game seven in that scene in I know. Sacramento? What, what do we think about the victory beam in Sacramento, how they light uh, that? I got so into that late Saturday night that I recorded it to, to show everyone else in my house the victory beam the next day when they bring the star player over to light the beam of the I, game. It's I like cool. the uniqueness of um, the, the embracing something that you haven't seen, like with the Kings and you're, you're on the bandwagon and you're able to find things out. Like Otherwise, we wouldn't be watching during the middle of the season. Sacramento games, right? But there will be that's also copying something that's also just very hokey, right? But at the same time, it's very unique. It's not like the it's like the uh, the, the flame in Vegas. The, the it was just very manufactured and fake, you know, the eternal whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Lighting uh, the cauldron. For Al Davis or whatever. Like the, it's like the Olympic Games are going I, on. I think you can make that look a lot better than what they did. Uh, in, in this case, I mean, it's cheesy but cool because it's the Kings. I, if I this just, were the Lakers or something, it'd be... <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. I like it because the Kings, but also like it because it's got a kind of a Japanese game show feel to it. <laughs> because the, well, <laughs> yeah, the, someone dies every time they hit the beam. We don't know that. But the, the MC, the guy that's there, whoever's doing it. You know, all right, now uh, Sacramento, it's time to light that beam. And they all, you know, he goes up, and the players aren't that into it. They kind of yeah. just, like, hit it, and then the crowd goes crazy. But it's amazing, like, getting the crowd, you know, into the, the pressing of a big button. It's, uh, it's nice. I like it. And Wholesome. meanwhile, that's the, that's the toughest fun. ticket in the NBA right now. Should be. Sacramento. I'd love to be in a game there. Would not love to go to Sacramento. Don't really care about that. But I would like to be in that building. If not for the Kings, I don't think about Sacramento. Never thought about visiting Sacramento. Of all the places no. in California that one might visit at some point on a trip, never said to anyone, you know, let's go check out that state capitol. <laughs> you know, while we're in, while we're in, the, uh, while we're in the state, let's check out the capitol. Let's make sure to hit Sacramento on the way. Sam Amico joins us uh, when we return. We continue with the NBA playoff uh, chat. And the, uh, so far, so good with the first round. Competitive series, drama, trash talk, and more. And speaking of trash talk, the talk between the Grizzlies and the Lakers. We'll get into that and much more straight ahead on Hot Mike. He tried to kick a guy in his jump. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Ehan Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Hutton and Withrow. And uh, great to have a familiar face back yes. on the show. Sam Amico joins us. Hoopswire is where you can find him and the solid, always solid NBA coverage. Sam, great to have you back, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. I haven't seen you guys. Well, I've seen you. You just haven't seen me very often. But uh, here we are now together. Here we well, are. it's much better for us to see you than for you to see us. So, with the pleasures all on this end that. of the camera right now. So, thank you. Sam, so, is it best for the NBA, hear me out here, for them to see the Lakers and Warriors advance or some version of the Grizzlies and Kings win one of these series to build up younger stars instead of the same process playing out in the postseason? The NBA will probably tell you it's they don't care, but the reality is they're going to want either the Lakers or the Warriors in one of these series uh, just because... And probably both. You know, that, 
yeah, preferably both. Um, and the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just what the ratings are going to, sure. you know, that's just the way they're going to play out the best way they can. Kings and Grizzlies are a great story. They're the up and coming teams, but, you know, they don't have that tradition that a Lakers and Warriors do and, you know, some of those other squads. So, um, you know, as far as the NBA is concerned, they're, they're, they have no rooting interest. But behind the scenes, yeah, they, they're, they're rooting for the Lakers, the Warriors, the Suns. And uh, they don't really care who wins the Nuggets Timberwolves yeah. series in the West because <laughs> they don't care to see either of them. But, you know, the reality is uh, these teams are getting older, right? Lakers, the Warriors, these, they're, 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 LeBron James is 38. He's not going to carry a team anymore. That's clearly Anthony Davis's team. And he can't stay healthy a lot of times, even though he's, you know, early 30s. He's more like a 42-year-old when it comes to injuries. Yeah. And his, and his Steph pass. is 35. So, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, right. And that's, that. you know, that's just a matter of uh, it, it's, it's guys getting older and the NBA is going to have to replace these stars somehow, some way in these huge markets. And uh, it always says it loves parity, but, you know, when it comes right down to it on the biggest stage, you want yeah. the, the traditional power. And I know Memphis obviously is not a huge market, but John Morant is a huge star and could be a bigger star. How troubling are his issues that this past really year, year and a half, been to the NBA in terms, Sam, of cultivating that next generation of superstars in the league? Yeah, it was kind of stunning when you think about Morant, who's never had any issues before this season and just some weird stuff. You know, with with him being in a club with a with a firearm and waving it around on Instagram, and then this stuff that happened over the summer where he supposedly got into a fight in a pickup game with an underage kid, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, he he's really not. He doesn't have a reputation as a as a troublemaker, but because of these incidents, you know, the NBA had to investigate, suspend him, and. Uh, Look, sometimes guys get into trouble early in their career in any sport because, I, you know, I know if I were 21, 22 years old and somebody was throwing all this money at me, uh, I, I might be in some trouble at that point. I got in trouble at that point in life sometimes without money, never with the law, but, you know, I wasn't on as big of a stage. So I think that we all uh, realize, you know, sometimes guys mature uh, at a different pace and, uh Frankly, if he keeps his nose clean for the rest of his career, nobody will even remember any of this uh, because he's such a dynamic talent and really has always been very friendly with you know the media and and really good with the fans. And I, I think he'll be just fine as a face of the league, provided he keeps his nose clean moving forward. And really, you look at all the young players today, there's really not too many issues going on yeah. uh, in the NBA anymore. So... That's that's the good news for the league. Well, and the Grizzlies have had a head start on the Kings with some some past playoff experience. But between those two, because you mentioned them earlier, Kings and Grizzlies, good stories for the league, nice upstart organizations. But, Sam, which one is more legit in terms of being a threat in the Western Conference right now, Kings or Grizzlies? That's a tough call. I think they're pretty much neck and neck. I, I would say probably the Grizzlies at this point. They've been to the playoffs before. They were there last year. 
the Kings really are a new program, so to speak, with, you know, Mike Brown really kind of turning. He changed his coaching style entirely. He used to be a de defensive, grinded-out type of coach. And, and, you know, now the Kings led the NBA in scoring and scored more points than anybody since the 83-84 Denver Nuggets. So uh, Mike Brown changed his philosophy entirely and has had great success with the Kings. But you look at it, the Grizzlies – Really, probably their stars are a little bit better. Morant's probably a little bit better than De'Aaron Fox, the Kings point guard, uh, and the Grizzlies front court's probably a little better. The Grizzlies are definitely a little more tougher, a little more built for the playoffs because they're so defensive-oriented. But, uh, you know, if you had to give one an edge, you'd probably be the Grizzlies by a whisker. But, uh, I, guys, I, I think those two teams are both very promising. So oftentimes, though, how many times throughout the course of NBA history have we seen smaller market teams be promising and then their stars leave for a big market? You know, it just happens so often. So it's hard to believe in a long term type of deal here because just because of what history tells us that their stars are going to get good and want to go to the Lakers or Celtics or Warriors or something. Hoopswire.com is where you can find Sam Amico. He joins us on OutKick. So, you know, the, Howard Stern, his show. No one chirps back at Howard Stern. You can rip on anybody but Howard. No one chirps and rips on LeBron. But here comes Dylan Brooks. What do you make of what he's doing where he's not afraid to speak up and talk trash to the king? I think it's great. I, I think Dylan Brooks is great. I think that, you know, all that back and forth with Draymond Green that he had earlier this year, uh, the incident he had with Shannon Sharp, I thought all that's great. You know what? Because we always talk about, you know, some of us older guys talking about the good old days when yeah. all the NBA players weren't friends and the bad boys pistons and the toughness. And I think Dylan Brooks brings that. And, and you know, look, some people get annoyed because he's talking so much without having really accomplished anything. The Grizzlies haven't really done much. You know, they got to the second round of the playoffs last season. Uh, so people get annoyed with that. But at the same time, I think it's good for the NBA. It's good for the league that you don't have, you know, everybody constantly praising each other. It gets, it gets, you know, ad nauseum. I mean, it gets sickening. It gets boring because all these players supposedly love each other. And I, I think that, Brooks does have the respect that he should for, you know, guys who have been there like LeBron James or Draymond Green or some of these other guys. But I, I think his style and, and the Grizzlies style, that's how they're going to be successful by being the bad guys on the block and the new kids on the block. And uh, I, I think it's good for the league. They, they'll say they don't like it, but I, I think they really do deep down because it brings – uh, intensity to, to some of the rivalries. I agree. I also think, you know, you brought up the Bad Boys Pistons, a, a good example. While, you know, I don't know that you necessarily want to see guys kicking each other in the <laughs> NBA being so high profile, it's also not necessarily a bad thing for the animosity that it brings and the interest. I mean, we're probably going to pay more attention to Draymond Green now when he comes back in yeah. after having kicked DeMontis Sabonis. Now with Joel Embiid, you know, swiping with his huge whatever size shoe that is at the junk of Nick Claxton, right? That that adds a little intrigue when those guys get back together. I mean, I, it's not a bad thing, though, right, Sam, to have some, some of this animosity. You don't want to see cheap shots left and right. But I think from a league perspective, it, it can't be the worst. 
Right. This is what playoff basketball is supposed to be about. You know, you're right. You don't want anybody getting hurt in these situations. Uh, and, and you don't want it getting too drastically bad. But look, this is this is where it's at. This is where you've got to survive in advance. And, you know, the NBA has always been accused of being too soft probably the last decade or more. Well, that's that's kind of changed. You know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Nobody's as long again, nobody's getting hurt. Thankfully, Embiid missed on that kick. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, that could have been a serious situation. Hmm. And, uh, you know, Draymond did not miss. And But, you know, Sabonis grabbed his ankle first. So, yeah, it's, there, there's nothing wrong with the league, I think, <clears throat> and the players upping their intensity and, you know, getting to the point where they get frustrated easily because the stakes are higher and it gets a little more physical. The playoffs are supposed to be physical. That's the way they've always operated up until about 2007 or 2008, and it started getting a little soft. Uh, and I, I, I think it's good for the game, this kind of grinding it out style. And yeah, if guys get into it, uh, they get into it. One thing I found interesting, speaking of the bad boys guys, is here you have Draymond Green getting a suspension, and the guy who suspends them, the executive vice oh. president of, of basketball operations, is Joe Dumars, yeah. who played on all those bad boys teams. So, you know, it's just kind of ironic how that all works. But And Dumars was the one guy on that team who wasn't enough of it. So... Uh, it's it's kind of interesting how this all works. But I think it's, you know, the NBA is better in these playoffs to me because of all these reasons. Dylan Brooks, the physicality, the little bit of feistiness and fights. I think these are the best playoffs first round I've seen in probably 20 years. Well, we're certainly talking more about the first round than we have. And well, Chad and I have been doing a show for 12. I mean, and, and we pointed that out too. Chad, by the way, size 17 for Embiid. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Could have even guessed bigger on that. And uh, uh, the, with the Sixers, should their expectations be as big as Joel Embiid's shoes, <laughs> size 17? Because <laughs> it does feel like, Sam, a team that's sort of been on the precipice of something great for a little while now is – is this a year when you see the way the East could open up? They've got that 3-0 series lead in, in round one where maybe they could go on a run to the finals. Yeah, you know, if you would ask me last week, I probably would say no, it's the, it's the Celtics or the uh, Bucks, but they've looked good. And winning a game on the road when you're up 2-0 is never an easy task, as we saw with the Kings and, and some of these other teams. But the Sixers to go in and the Nets, you know, no, they don't have Durant or, or, or Irving anymore, but they're still a formidable group. And to go into Brooklyn and win that game last night was was pretty impressive. Uh, they're definitely more determined. You know, one of the knocks against Embiid and obviously James Harden is uh, they can't get you to the finals. And the East really is wide open. Both both conferences are wide open. The NBA's been dying for this for years where you have parity going into the playoffs and you have no idea who's coming out, you know, for the longest time, Celtics, Lakers, or Michael Jordan's Bulls. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, it was the Cavs and the Warriors every year. You knew that going in the playoffs anymore. You don't know, you know, it's, it's pretty wide open. And that would give a team like Philadelphia that hasn't been able to push through the Eastern conference and comes up short time and time again, under Doc Rivers or with Joel Embiid, this opens the door for them. And I think that they have just as good of a chance the way they look now, uh, as good of a chance as, as Boston or Milwaukee uh, really are the other two main contenders in the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt that Phoenix has the star power. 
when, when you look at that roster, but it feels like a team when you watch them that's still feeling their way out as a, as a unit. Uh, what do you think about what you've seen from them so far against the Clippers and their chances? Well, the Suns have looked a little rusty. You know, Kevin Durant has he's put up numbers, but he just hasn't looked quite the same uh, in the playoffs. He did when he first kind of came back and played those three games with the Suns. After the trade deadline, he'd been out a little bit because of the knee injury. And then, of course, we all saw him, you know, sprained an ankle during warm-ups while going up for a layup. Since then, since that ankle thing, he came back. He's not been the same. There's been, you know, there's been the 30, 27-point games, yeah, but he just hasn't, he hasn't seemed himself. And I thought the Clippers did a phenomenal job last night, even though they lost. Uh, gave themselves a reason to believe they didn't have Paul George, didn't have Kawhi Leonard, and really were in it to the end. Russell Westbrook had his best game since uh, he came to L.A., and that includes with the Lakers. So, you know, I, I think that maybe they got some signs of life. I haven't I haven't been overly impressed with the Suns. Everybody coming into the playoffs are kind of like, well, now that Phoenix has Durant, they're coming out of the Western Conference. But frankly, I don't see them looking any better right now than the than the Kings or Grizzlies or Warriors or Lakers or especially Denver Nuggets. We don't we don't talk about the Denver Nuggets because yeah. they don't excite anybody. But, you know, one of those teams is going to have to probably play Denver, uh, which, you know, has an MVP candidate, Jokic, and, and looks really good. Not to get too far off topic, I, I think that Suns-Clippers Suns series is probably going to go seven. I think the Clippers have a great shot to win it if Kawhi Leonard can play. 2-1 series lead there for the Suns. Are, I mean, you mentioned the Nuggets. I mean, Have we talked less about a number one seed in the playoffs than the Denver Nuggets right now? And it's not their fault that the Warriors are a six seed. But, but I mean, we're talking more about the Kings than we are the Nuggets. Yeah, it seems like every story in the West is kind of better than Denver. You know, but yeah. Denver really <clears throat> held the number one seed for most of the regular season and really had, you know, you really don't have a reason not to believe in them, except for the fact that they're the Denver Nuggets. People <laughs> hold that against them. If they were the Los Angeles Lakers right now, people would be saying this team is going to the finals, no questions asked. But, again, Denver doesn't have that tradition, uh, doesn't have any flash. You know, I watched them. I can't, I can't stick with them. I watched them against the Timberwolves twice, for part of the game. I just couldn't stick with it. There's just nothing exciting about the Denver Nuggets, I'm sad to say, except for the fact that they win. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of depth. And their coach, Mike Malone, is fantastic and has proven that time and time again. So, you know, nobody is picking the number one seed in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets, to go to the finals. But the reality is they may be the best team in the Western Conference, whether people like it or not. So, um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of teams getting buzz, certain teams getting buzzed because of their large fan bases or large markets or whatever. And the Nuggets just have never been. I think people still care more about the Avalanche uh, in Denver than they than they do the Nuggets. I was listening to a conversation last week about that the Nuggets have to feel the most pressure of any NBA team, and I'm thinking no one talks about them. Like I don't, I don't. I don't hear anything I'm not other sure, than that story. Sam just line. said they talk about them in their own town. Even. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, so I don't know if they actually feel the pressure, even though they are built to win it this year. And if, if you, is Jokic your MVP of the league? And if so, I mean, they should win it this year. 
yeah, I mean, if true MVP, he would, you know, carry you to the championship. Yeah. Um, I probably would, again, would go with Antetokounmpo. Okay. Uh, just because the Bucks are, you know, they're a power when he plays. And we've seen what happens when he doesn't sometimes. That game one, he, he missed most of it. Um, and and just the, all of a sudden the Bucks are out of sorts. They recovered for game two. But I, I think with Jokic, you know, he's one of those guys who looks like he's moving in slow motion. I think he would have been a fabulous player for the 80s and 90s because he's a big guy who can do it all but he's very mechanical, you know, and he's, he's not, there's no flash to his game. Uh, you're not going to see any high flying dunks or, or, you know, alley-oop passes, although he's a great passer. He's just very steady, very fundamentally sound, and he's got great size and, and great smarts. So, and he's a winner, you know, but there's a lot of things I just listed aren't sexy, you know, yeah. they're not going to move the needle on Instagram. So, um, I think that's that's part of it too, uh, and, and the fact that the Nuggets really haven't made a whole lot of noise uh, in the playoffs, except for I think it was 2019 when they were the first team to come back from consecutive three-one deficits. Um, but you know they they've they've got a lot of talent. Murray Jamal Murray's a nice player. Michael Porter Jr. is a nice player. Aaron Gordon's a nice player. So they they certainly could they certainly could emerge from the West much to the chagrin of the rest of uh, the NBA and perhaps the league offices. Sam, I, I know TV rules the world, but man, it, game three is coming up, you know, for you've got the Lakers and Grizzlies played on what Wednesday game three is coming up tomorrow. Like, why do we have to wait so long in between games? Why does the NBA insistent <clears throat> on stretching this out the way they do? Yeah. You know, sometimes excuse me, it has more to do with um, like sometimes the venues are filled. I know in Cleveland they had to stretch it out because there's an Adam Sandler concert, you know, and you can't, you can't really move that. So um, <clears throat> a lot of times these venues are, are scheduled in advance because you have no idea who's going to playoffs half the time. But also to your point, yeah, a big part of it is television. You know, the NBA really needs ratings they they survived off these television contracts and they're you know another one's coming up soon they're in the middle of kind of negotiating and feeling things out um and there's a there's a lot at play or a lot at stake here with their next television contract they want to make themselves a viable product so you've got to put yourself <clears throat> in front of audiences when people are more inclined to watch you know we hear about disney now and ESPN, they've got massive layoffs coming. There's like three rounds of layoffs. They're looking to cut $5.5 billion uh, in costs at ESPN. So, you know, the NBA has to convince these potential broadcast partners that we're a great product for you and continue to give us a whole lot of money so that we can continue to, uh, you know, pay our bills. Right now, the NBA is just trying to pay the bills. They're not... Like, you know, it's, money's not growing on trees right now in pro basketball. So um, big thing is for them, you know, get, get on television when there's eyeballs and we can get the maximum ratings. And that goes back to probably why they're rooting for the yeah. Los Angeles Lakers, Warriors and Celtics and, and those type of teams, because they have to go to potential sponsors, potential broadcast partners and say, you know, look, our product is flourishing. Uh, 
So pay us way too much money for it. Yeah, and, and the one thing they have now is they've got the agreement with the CBA where the Players Association and the league, they can go to their TV partners, potential, and say, hey, we, we, this is not going to happen where there's going to be a stoppage midway through and some disagreement. That's good for negotiations moving forward, too. Sam, it's great to catch up with you, man. Um, next time you join us, because I, I, I joke, but it's real. I mean, we've got a like, month and a half or two months left of this postseason. Um, which team could be the surprise team of a, a just a, a group that maybe they're maybe they trail by two games right now, down two one. I know you mentioned the Clippers. Is there a team that comes to mind that we're talking about that will surprise <clears throat> us? Well, I think in the Eastern Conference, you have to watch out for the whoever wins this Cavs Knicks series because, I, and I suspect this series is going to go seven games. Nobody's really talking about these teams. Yeah, but both of them have played playoff style basketball all season. You know, uh, they both have dynamic guards. Cleveland has two of them, obviously Donovan Mitchell's probably second team all NBA this year. Uh, and, and, and the Knicks with, with Jalen Brunson, but I really, and, and obviously Julius Randall, the front court Cavs have Cavs have all kinds of uh, young talent. Sometimes, you know, we saw the Atlanta Hawks in 2019 get to the Eastern conference finals with a really young team. And sometimes when things are wide open, uh, you can have a surprise Cinderella team like that. And I suspect that if the Cavs can get past the Knicks, then they could be kind of that team. You know, they would have to play the Bucs in the second round. But, but everything we're seeing from the Bucs right now, they're not unbeatable, especially with Antetokounmpo with these nagging injuries. So, you know, that's a possibility. And, and if the Cavs don't win and the Knicks win, I could see them doing it because mm. both of those teams are very good defensively. And in the playoffs, you know, you play you play good defensive basketball in the regular season all season long. Then you get in the playoffs. It's not a big deal. You don't have to change everything you do. And uh, both those teams, great rim protectors, uh, very physical teams and some dynamic talent. So I don't know who's going to win that series. I'm not about to predict that I can't get a feel. It's one to one right now. But I think either team that comes out of that series could potentially be your dark horse in the playoffs and maybe advance all the way to the conference finals. I'm not going to say finals yet, but you know, they, they, they both have the kind of makeup and Tom Thibodeau, uh, just a fantastic playoff coach because he has his team playing that style all season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those, one of those two could be your kind of dark horse, uh, NCAA tournament style dark horse, uh, in these playoffs, I think. And, and you know what? If the Sacramento Kings beat the Golden State Warriors, everybody's going to be saying what a huge surprise it is, even though the Kings are, are favored in that series. If only we had these storylines during the regular season, Jeff. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll Seven get there. Tell me about it. As a guy yeah. who runs a basketball website, hey, man. I can tell yeah. you, I long for storylines during the regular season. <laughs> and, and a good site as well, hoopswire.com, is where you can find Sam Amico, and uh, we'll continue to be checking that throughout the playoffs and hopefully we can check in with you as well sam uh as we move forward into the next couple of rounds here yeah anytime guys thanks a lot for having me it's great to be back and you know i do i get to catch you guys a couple times a week so sometimes i'll awesome. be working on the site and i'll be listening to you guys and checking out outkick and all that so we appreciate to, you sam great to thanks be on. there's sam amico all right, there. Guys. yeah man thank you uh chad Great storylines in the NBA. The next big storyline in the NFL will be Joe Burrow's contract. That'll be number one. But there is a number one contract that will we will all be looking at again. Whenever the 500 million contract was announced for Patrick Mahomes a couple of years back, 
Well, the Chiefs are going to address that, and they're making sure they know that the MVP knows that he's priority for KC. Details next on Hot Mike. Chad, we mentioned earlier this week with the contract for Jalen Hurts, we've had big discussions and <laughs> so maybe some controversy from people that see the 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 graphic. The graphic, the graphic really threw people the one through four. <laughs> How is Pat Mahomes not in Where the top four? Where is Patrick Mahomes? Well, he he's not getting the contract extension after a first contract is about to expire for the topic that we had yesterday and how we ranked the four. But Brett Veach, the general manager of the Chiefs, says the team will assess Mahomes' contract after a couple of more quarterback deals occur. That means you're the best. You know what? We're not going to jump in now and extend and restructure. We're going to wait until when the, better guys the top signs. guys set the market, and then we're going to have our guy reset the market. Yeah, it's also what a, what a world to be in if you're – Patrick Mahomes, because in 2020 it was a 10-year, 503 million dollar extension. Well, it would it would be it would be great if you could just say, I mean, he's under contract, so we're not talking I know. about yeah, it. Yeah, well, but instead it's no, we'll wait more years. We'll let that Burrow guy <laughs> and a couple others sign. Then we'll decide how much more we're going to pay our guy. Uh, you know, we're going to restructure what he's already making, which is a ton of money. Yeah, and it, it, all of it's a ton of money, but. In regards to where he is right now, he's currently sixth among all quarterbacks in average annual value. It feels or, like the top which is crazy players to in the league, it's almost become like a college football coaches type thing. Yeah. Where it's year to year. So and, college football yeah. coaches, their contract means nothing. They accomplish something one year, they're going to get re-upped the next year and get a raise every single year. If Kirby Smart becomes the highest paid coach in football, the next year, Brian Kelly becomes the highest paid, or Nick Saban, yeah, or Ryan right. Day, or someone, and just one on top of the other. And then other guys who had a good year, regardless of what their contract says, if they exceeded the expectation, they're going to get a bump in pay. They're going to get an extra year or two on their contract. It feels like with the very top guys, the elite guys in the NFL, we're almost at that level where it doesn't matter what their contract says. The next year, they can just say, well, I've outperformed it. Pay me more money. Unless you're Watson, and then... No one touches it. No one can surpass that. Yeah, and then there's yeah, Deshaun Watson, who just got the biggest sweetheart deal of all time, <laughs> who just says, I'm, I'm good. He's telling the rest of the league, hey, I'm, I'm good over here. No need to restructure. Chad, is the, uh, the high school player good after taking a spike, the meet the Fockers type moment uh, from the transgender player in volleyball? No. You see this uh, highlight at Outkick? It's, it's ridiculous. Look, it, th there's co-ed volleyball. Uh, I see it all all the time. You know, uh, there's a local Hooters over here that has volleyball every Tuesday and Thursday night, I believe. Really? Pass by. You, you just you drive see, by. You don't actually go. I, I don't go to Hooters. Oh. Yeah, sure. That's like the line of old school. Oh yeah, I didn't go to Hooters. It's tough. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, no, there's sand volleyball. Just Men and women play it all the time. But it is ridiculous as we are consistently stating on this show and across Outkick that a biological man is allowed to compete against women yeah. in women's sports. It's not co-ed volleyball that's taking place. And uh, the, the spike was, was heard around the world. I mean, it was, it was much like It was a legitimate Stiller. spike. It was a legitimate spike. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
Except I don't think this uh, this young girl was like in, with Meet the Parents. There was a bloody nose situation, like I a don't bust know. her face. Yeah. This looked like off the forehead and a fall back. Yeah, but from I mean, the video that I saw, she's still suffering uh, from that spike, though, is what she's saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. Tough again. Biological men should not compete against biological women in women's sports. This is an opinion that is consistent with, I'm going to guess, 98 to 99% of Americans, and maybe that's a bit conservative, a high number of Americans would agree with us. Chad and I played on a uh, only the craziest a kickball team where it was uh, co-ed. We played co-ed, and I thought about it. Like You threw the ball at people to get them out, Chad's and you kick it, kick it hard. Like What if we'd have been in that situation where we threw it a little too hard and Caught some girl in the face. <laughs> I Sorry. mean, not funny, but, no, but you know, it would have been I mean, one that's like, man, I feel it really looks bad. Just like a scene from Meet the Fox. Outkick would have written a story about it. <laughs> <laughs> Headlines next. There by the grace of God.